I am Jim Collison and live from the Gallup Studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. This is Gallup's Call to Coach, recorded on February 16th, 2018. Call the Coach is a resource for those who want to help others discover and use their strengths. We have Gallup experts and independent strengths coaches share tactics, insights, and strategies to help coaches maximize the talent of individuals, teams, and organizations around the world. If you do have questions during this live webcast, we do have a chat room that's available for you right below the main video. And if you just peek down there in that chat room, bottom left-hand corner, it says log in. Choose the guest account. Put your name in. Take those numbers out. Name and numbers. Put your name in where it says guest and then hit submit and you will join us in the chat room. We will be taking your live questions during this program. If you listen to the recorded version or have questions about custom strengths coaching solutions, you can contact us as well. Send us an email, coaching at gallup.com, or you can use the contact form right there on the live page. Don't forget to visit the Gallup Strength Center. Just gallupstrengthcenter.com for all your Clifton Strengths resources and training needs. You can also catch the video on both streaming and downloadable audio, which we call podcasting, available on our coach's blog as well. All the instructions to do it are on the resources tab. If you head over to coaching.gallup. Com. Dean Jones is our host today. Dean's the principal architect of Gallup's global client learning strategy. Dean, always great to have you on Call to Coach. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Jim. I'm happy to be here. Um, this is literally one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> yeah, my, mine as well. And I always love it when you're on. Uh, we, we spent uh, the last time talking about weaknesses and it was so good. We thought we'd do a part two. What do you yeah. have for us today? I am super excited about it. I feel like um, I feel like we are are with the weaknesses stuff. Um, I think there's certain things that we've said about weaknesses, and I feel like I said most of them last time. <laughs> and but you know, it's funny. It's funny how you kind of work your way through something. We said a bunch of those things last time, and there's a whole new kind of batch of things that. Uh, that I thought, gosh, we should really cover and we should we should talk about. It. So I thought I thought we'd do part two if we could, right? To really kind of get into weaknesses. I think this is one of the areas where it's a funny thing um, for strengths coaches. It's one of the most powerful areas if you're a strengths coach and you're working with people. This is one of the most powerful areas that you're working in. I also think it's the it always just needs never ceases to amaze me that um, that. Uh, it's one of the things that when people criticize us, they criticize us for never actually talking about weaknesses. And anybody I think who's a strengths coach knows that when you're working with people as a coach, a lot of what you deal with is their weaknesses. What you deal with is the barriers that they face, the blind spots they have, the areas where they fail. You know, you're dealing with a lot of the areas where people are really struggling, right? So it's always, I think, funny to me and funny to many who are strengths coaches to say, hey, we don't deal with weaknesses because sometimes it feels like that's all we deal with. <laughs> You know what I mean? On the way to helping people really capitalize on their talent, you know, we deal with a lot of that, right? So it always seems kind of funny that that's the case, right? It's, so, it always it's always evident when you give somebody an all thirty four, <clears throat> they go right to the bottom, right, exactly. right, right to the bottom. So. Exactly. Yeah. It's not just, you know, when Don Clifton was talking about focus on what's right rather than what's wrong, it's like, that's not just other people. That's ourselves, right? Like, it's like, first, I need to know what's wrong with me. <laughs> right? That's great. So here's where I thought we'd start today. So just to kind of get into it, I thought one of the things I wanted to make sure that we did is I wanted to to talk a little bit about um, just broadly about weaknesses and and this thing because I think I think it's it is uh, uh, why I'm concerned about it or why I'm thinking about it a lot is I've been thinking a lot about the value of all 34. So we have been doing a lot of thinking. I will tell you, Gallup, on the value of all 34 and the importance of all 34. And I will tell you, most of the strengths coaches I know. Um, they don't, the most of them don't coach top five. They all, they coach all 34 and they tell their clients, go get all 34. If you got top five, go upgrade, like they go work with all 34. Right. And part of the conversation is exactly what you said, Jim, where immediately people want to make sense of everything. And I talked about this little, a little bit on the last broadcast, but the, Challenge, I think, with top five is you always run up against that it's an incomplete picture for people. People look at their top five and there's and they they recognize a ton, but then there's always those things they're trying to make sense of if they don't have their all 34. 
So, and those are the things where people start digging in, they try to figure that out. So when you're working with all 34, you naturally end up, you have a more complete picture. You also have to deal with things like non-talents and weaknesses. So um, as we talked about last time, I talked a lot about kind of how we define things and what do we mean by weakness? What do we mean by non-talent? I'm not going to repeat that. Um, you know, I, I sound like you when I say this, but if you're interested in that thing, go listen to that broadcast. Doesn't that sound like you? <laughs> It does indeed. Yes. It does. Go listen to that one, you know, and I think we did a serviceable job on that broadcast of talking about that stuff. So I want to kind of just pick up where we left off, right? And talk a little bit about weaknesses. I think that Don Clifton quote, we were laughing about this before we started today, but that Don Clifton quote about focusing on what's right with people versus what's wrong. I think sometimes that gets interpreted as never think about weaknesses or 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 weakness, don't talk about weaknesses or, you know, weaknesses, what is it, the Harry Potter thing? Weaknesses are the are the evil that must not be named. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes it gets interpreted that way. We were laughing about, you know, I know that we know strengths coaches who are like, I'm just gonna hug you until your weaknesses disappear, right? You know what I mean? I'm just gonna love the weaknesses right out of you, right? And I think the thing that I I don't think, I, I don't presume to know the mind of Don Clifton, right? But I, I would, I think some historical context around what the time that Don was working in is useful because at the time Don was working, it was still, I would say, sort of the nascent age of psychology. Psychology was still relatively a new field and a popular field. Right. And but a lot of the thinking and research that was being done at the time was really pointed at abnormal psychology. It was really po pointed at sort of what was ab apparent with uh, with human beings, what was abnormal. So there wasn't a lot of research and uh, being done into into what what makes somebody great, what makes somebody successful. And. Don, being a great researcher, wanted to do, to break new ground and and really work in areas that most psychologists were not working in. And if you read the technical report, and by the way, I really recommend that every strengths coach goes and reads that technical report. You know, for a technical report, I think it's very very accessible. But um, when you go read that technical report, you know, really really um, what Don was about was trying to figure out what makes somebody successful. He didn't even say talk really about performance. He was more talking about, about what, is, what, what is it that makes people successful? And part of it, so he's really looking at the ingredients for that. Part of it at the time, the dominant thinking at the time was that your IQ was a direct correlation with your success. So the smarter you were, the more likely you were to be successful right? And IQ was sort of everything at the time, right? And what Don said was, hey, it's not just IQ, that IQ has, a, has an impact, or what psychologists call general mental ability, GMA, has an impact on one's success. But in fact, that your talent you know, was the was the thing that actually had a, a large correlation on your success. And so his life work really was being able to prove out that assertion that talent has a huge bearing on your ability to be successful in life, right? So, um, you know, I would tell you that he when he said, hey, let's focus on what's right, it wasn't so much like, hey, don't ever talk about weaknesses. It was really about how do we help under people understand how their talent has a bearing on their success, right? We know as coaches that any developmental journey includes an assessment or an accounting of what's right about you, what's wrong about you what's working, what's not working. That's a normal part of any kind of developmental journey. That's just part of, that's just part of taking, a, taking, a, taking, you know, assessing what's, what's going on, right? Here's where I think I'm successful. Here's where I've got traction. Here's the things I'm struggling with. Here's the barriers I see. That's a normal part of any kind of development journey. We also know that, that an important part of, of development and growth is self-awareness. And self-awareness is just incomplete without an awareness of and an appreciation for one's own weaknesses, right? That if you can't, if you're somebody, I think we call that that person that doesn't that doesn't have any appreciation of their weaknesses. I think those people are sociopaths, <laughs> and not not what we would consider well well adjusted, right? So you know, part of growth, part of a developmental journey, part of it is really just healthy self-awareness. And part of self-awareness is that I really have an appreciation for my own weaknesses. I have an understanding of what those are. I have an awareness of those so I can manage those and moderate those in, in all the right ways, right? So 
part of it is coaches. I guess this is all my preamble to say, hey, part of the work that we do together, part of the work around strengths development is includes and uh, includes weaknesses. And it's it's an it's an integral part of it. It's not just a part that we feel like we have to talk about it in order to be able to talk about strengths. It's an integral part about it. It's also a little bit, I will tell you, is you don't really have strengths unless you have weaknesses. You know, it's kind of like you don't have light without dark. You know what I mean? You, like the two together, you can't distinguish your strengths unless you can distinguish your weaknesses. So you got to have both of those things in order for our strengths to come into focus. We also have to understand what our weaknesses are. And as we get into this conversation about weaknesses, I think that becomes more and more apparent. It's not also not a static thing where it's like my today's weaknesses are tomorrow's weaknesses, where we start to, as, as your strengths come more and more into focus, also your weaknesses come more and more into focus, right? And your perspective on those shifts, right? Dean, can I throw in a thought? Yeah, please. Excuse me. One of the one of the things I've noticed a lot in these conversations that we have that that weaknesses are best used in the context of self awareness and not coaching discoveries. So, not having our coaches necessarily tell us those things, but then discovering that through this process of when we come to that realization of like, yeah, these are some areas that I need to be careful with. Mm-hmm. And and I think sometimes, you know, when we've talked a lot about coaching and this, you know, there are times when coaches listen and there are times when coaches can tell. I think in this area of weaknesses, it's really, really important that the that the coachee comes to this kind of comes to it themselves. Can you respond a little bit to that? Because yeah, I feel I feel like in the coaching area that that may be a real sticky spot. Yeah, this is really no. I think this that's great, and man, that's a great point, Jim. Um, <clears throat> you know, this is about uh, you know, this is really a process of self discovery and self awareness. It's you know, as much as we may have a clear picture of who somebody is, if they don't have a clear picture of who they are, then it's all for naught, right? This is a process where people really have to discover it because they have to own it for themselves. And so it's really a process of self-discovery and self-awareness. It's why, you know, I go back to the Jahari window. It's, it's, that's why the Jahari window is such a foundational construct. Um, we've talked about that again in past broadcasts, but um, my sense of myself, it, one of the powerful things the Jahari window does is separate out my sense of myself from other sense of me. Right. And um, and I may have a particular perspective or picture on myself. It may be very, very different from the picture that others have of me. Right. And but both positively and negatively. Right. So I may have one of the things you see. And one of the things I think that the jarring window calls out is those places where people people may not be fully self-expressed or more have a, a more negative perception of themselves than, than the people around them do. I will tell you just an experience in working with people and asking them to solicit feedback, they're always surprised by how much people love them, you know, <laughs> and and the difference they make and the impact that they have and how positively disposed the people around in their lives are around them, right? But to your point, um, just because it may be clear in clear focus for you who somebody is, what somebody's blind spots are, what's where, well, you know, all the, what somebody's strengths and weaknesses are, in order for somebody to be able to own it, they have to come to that on their own. Right. And and a lot of the process of coaching people in this in this way is helping them come to that on their own, helping them, asking them questions that help them come to that on their own, giving them work to do that help them come to that on their own and making sense of their experience. Right. I also think it's an interesting thing. And I'm, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball in here. But a lot of times I think and one of the points I wanted to make, I'm going to make this now and I'll probably come back to it in the, later in our time together today. But one of the points I think is is really the Clifton Strengths Report is designed to be a starting point for people to be able to find their strengths, not the end point. It's not like the holy text where I go back again and again. It's the starting point for exploring my talents and my strengths. And that I, as I explore that in real life, in experiences where I apply those, it helps to be able to refine that, right? It's not just the end all be all that I have to go back to every time. It should be something that we, that we use as that starting point, right? So that work I think is, is, is really important, right? 
Um, let me talk about, so I came up with, I wanted to be a little more, I think last time we were, we were kind of recapping everything that we have said in the past about weaknesses. I wanted to come up with some key assertions. Um, so I came up with six things I wanted to make sure that we talked about today before we go into a little bit on application um, relative to weaknesses. Because I think that there's, I think there's some key things that I want to make sure that people know about weaknesses based on what we know from based on our research, based on the application that we've done around that, right? So I want to kind of roll through some of these six things because I think they'll, they'll be useful. And by the way, you know, both Jim and I are watching chat. If you guys have questions as we go through this, it, that is what makes this so much fun is the questions and comments that you guys have around it. So um, please feel free for all of you who are joining us live um, to, to type in the chat window. That's, that's, uh, that's part of the experience here. So let me kind of talk through these kind of six assertions. The first one I think is really powerful, and I, and I think it's useful, um, is that strengths and weaknesses are not opposites. It's important to know that, and this comes right from Don Clifton, right? You don't create a strength out of a weakness. So, I, you know, if you ask people you know, on the street, if you were going to do um, on the street, one of the Jimmy Kimmel on the street interviews, you know, and ask people, hey, what's the opposite of a strength? They'd say a weakness, Right. But if you ask people what the opposite of a weakness is, it really isn't really a strength, right? It's not, you know, even though people people see them as kind of the, those are the weakness, those are the opposites, right? You can't ever make a strength out of a weakness. You know, strengths are based on a repository of talent. So they're based on that I've got a repository of talent in a particular area. And when you dig into a weakness, you don't find talent. So it's why we say, hey, don't work on your weaknesses right? You're not going to find a repository of talent there. There's nothing. You're drilling for oil in the wrong place. And so when you go to work on a weakness, you can, you can go to work on a weakness and, and, and you can go to work on a weakness. You're just never going to find the talent to turn it into a strength. So one of the things I think is really important as we think about the broader developmental context, if you want people to develop, you got to work in areas of strength. You got to work in areas of talent. Working in areas of weakness, it, you never are going to have the sufficient talent there in order to turn that into a real area of strength where you're going to get world class performance, where you're going to get uh, where you're going to get somebody really to to demonstrate all they've got. And and when you drill into a weakness, you get an absence of talent, not a repository of talent. And that's really the big difference. So that's why we say, gosh, from a developmental standpoint, and this, by the way, fundamentally is how we want to shape, reshape human development, is to help people to know, hey, look, you know, when you want people to develop, first identify their talent, first drill into those areas of, of uh, where there's talent in order to be able to build strengths. Dean, I find that theme insight report that we do, that specialized report, mm -hmm. has some really good clues to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, I get the question all the time. Can I get a list of all the talents, all the, you know, these, these things rolled up into the themes, you know, sometimes uh, we, we forget that the communication is a theme, right. And, and yeah. below that are those, but that, but that theme insight report has some really good clues. And, and some people blow through that in the, when they're at the Gallup Strength Center, they'll download the description, but those theme insights are really, and, and you can really walk someone through that, have them circle and underline, you know, that exercise that our coaches do with them and really get those clues to what is there. And I, I think that's a fairly underutilized, I use, I use it all the time, but I think a, an underutilized report that we have. You know, and that was one of the things I will tell you of all the things I, you know, when we go through the learning series for certified coaches, it's one of the things I learned this year that I didn't know on the strengths insight report that, that, that insight report that you have, I, by the way, I do think I agree with you. I think it's a grossly underutilized tool. It is highly customized and it's customized, not just based on somebody's top five or top 10, it's customized based on all 34. So we know that that those strengths insight reports are highly customized. It's, it's helpful. And very, very, very unique to each person. So because it's customized on the on on the on the strength sequence of all 34, you really see that. It's interesting. I went back and read mine the other day and was once again just struck by by how powerful it is, how useful it is around that, right? So that's the first thing. Strengths and weaknesses are, are not opposites. The second thing is that I think um, is is really important is that people often take their talent for granted. I've talked about this before. I, I like to call this the fallacy of ease. If something comes easy, it must not be valuable. 
you know, if something comes easy, it might, it must be that I, that I don't have, it's not a real strength of mine, right? Is that, and so what happens is, and you see this with people over and over again, they are inclined to invest in areas where things seem hard. And they assume that mastering something that's hard is going to provide greater growth or greater success for them than working in an area of strength. It's this funny thing about human beings, right? They take for granted the areas that come easy, those areas of talent, and they don't in they don't invest in the areas that are that are really that are powerful areas. So they, you know, again, they think what comes easy must not be valuable, and what's hard and take work is actually better. And we as strengths coaches need to repoint people to work at what comes easily. I know that sounds weird to people. You know, it's like if you got an area where you're natural, you're a natural where we know. And this is why I go back again and again to the five clues to talent. Right. That area where there's rapid learning, those areas where there's glimpses of excellence, those areas where there's flow. Uh, you know, if you go back, those are the clues that we know. Hey, there's talent in that particular area. When you invest in those areas, your return on investment is so much greater. And I will tell you, I can't, I can, I can, I, over, over my career, I've run into so many folks that they're geniuses at something and they, but where they want to invest is an area where they're just honestly not quite as talented and it makes no difference. You know, um, mastery is not is about capitalizing on your talent. It's not about overcoming the odds. I always think, you know, this is going to sound like a, a divergent opinion, right? But um, I'm known for that, right? But, you know, you read that, you watch that movie, Rudy, you know, that everybody loves that movie, Rudy, right? And I think that's the saddest story ever told. You know, I really do because this, it was, that's a story about a kid who has a moment of victory, not a lifetime of success, not a lifetime of accomplishment. And everybody loves those stories where it was like, hey, we handed the ball to the kid who didn't have talent and let him score a touchdown, right? As opposed to, hey, it like, what is it? I always listen to that. I always watch that movie and think, what if somebody had helped that kid find the areas he was really talented in and then invest in those areas so he had a lifetime of success and a lifetime of accomplishment, Right as opposed to a moment where it was like he got to do the thing he was just not common not talented in, right? And so, I mean, to me, I, I look at that movie and I go, God, that's the saddest story ever told, you know? Well, <laughs> you know? And it's kind of the glory days effect, right? In that we had one moment, it was the popular thing. We were successful, maybe lucky and successful. And we keep trying to go back to that moment because it, it brought such great satisfaction, but it wasn't really true success because we can't repeat it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't lead to anything really meaningful or fulfilling, right? It's, it, it's, it's a moment of victory and that's, it's, it's, you know, we've all gotten lucky once, right? And we've all had a moment where we said, God, this was a great moment of victory, but it doesn't necessarily mean that shoot, that's where I should invest my life, my life's work in, right? And it's really about really mastery in life. Success in life is really about identifying talent and capitalizing on talent. How do I apply that? Rather than, you know, if your story is really about overcoming the odds, and by the way, I don't mean to diminish anybody's hard work, right? But it's not, it's really about really looking for where is that repository of talent and how do I best capitalize on that? Right. So this, so the I guess the second assertion is really is that people often take their talent for granted and you really have to focus, refocus people to say, gosh, that thing that, that you, that, that comes easy to you, that's an opportunity. I will tell you, you know, I tell this, I've told this story before, but I have a friend who is one of the most insanely talented salespeople I've ever been around. And she takes her gift for granted. In fact, she's, she, you know, she invests her talents in other areas and, and, and tends to undervalue the fact that she's so insanely talented at sales. And it's one of those things where you just go, gosh, you know, you know, it, you know, helping people to really have that self-awareness to know, gosh, I shouldn't invest in the areas where I'm really, really good. You know, third statement. Okay. Our third assertion here, you can't fix a weakness. That sounds funny. Um, uh, it sounds funny, um, but you can't fix a weakness. There's really nothing to fix. There's nothing to work with because there's not talent in an area of it. There's nothing to be able to do. All you can do is compensate for a weakness. So there's nothing. That's the part that I always think is, is, is sad when I look at conventional approaches to development. 
right? Is it's all about developing in an area where someone has no talent, right? So you can't, there's nothing to fix, right? There's nothing to develop there. So you're investing, you know, it's like pouring gasoline on something where there's no, there's, there's no fire is going to start, right? All you're doing is pour gasoline in the ground. There's no, there's no fire that's going to start there. And so, um, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be aware of it. hundred percent. You need to be aware of your weaknesses. You need to account for them. You have to be responsible. And we'll talk more about this, but I, but it, but the, when you, when we talk about fixing weaknesses, when we talk about investing in areas of weakness, there's just nothing to invest in. So, you know, I always think about, it's like, you know, when you're driving and you come to a barrier in the road, you know, the, the way to, the way to manage is not try to drive through the barrier. You're going to wreck your car doing that, right? You drive around the barrier and keep going, right? It's the same thing with weaknesses. Don't, you know, you don't drive, drive headlong into the, into the weakness. You go, gosh, I got a real weakness in this area. How do I drive around this so I can keep going? And so I think that's really powerful. There's nothing to fix there. And we need to help people to know there's nothing to fix there. And in fact, trying to fix it or spending my life trying to fix it or being environments where the message is you should fix this is a fool's errand, right? You really want to account for it and, and you have to be accountable for those areas of weakness if you want, if you really want legitimate greatness. You have to, uh, you have to be aware of them. You have to account for them. You have to be able to address them powerfully. That's not what I'm saying, but you're never going to fix them. And I think it's important that people know that. Okay, that's number three. Uh, number four is weaknesses don't really develop in the same way as strengths. And I've said this, and I, you know, I'm always a little hesitant to say weaknesses don't develop, right? So sometimes, sometimes we'll just flat out say, "Hey, weaknesses don't develop." That's not really true, okay? Um, and and I'll tell you what I mean. They they sort of they tend to develop incrementally, right? So it's kind of like I always like to use my musical ability. I literally have little to no musical talent. My, I, you know, I grew up in a house. My mother had perfect pitch. She could sing beautifully. She played the piano. She and her, her sister played the piano beautifully from the time they were at a very, very young age, almost like prodigies, right? Like this incredible musical talent, right? And, you know, and her oldest son has literally next to none. Okay. Now my I grew up in a household where my family thought it was important that everybody learned to read music. Everybody learned to play an instrument. Uh, you know, I, so I learned to play, I learned to, I can pick out songs on the piano. I played the French horn for some interminable period of time. You know, I'm like, but like, again, there's nothing there. Right. So I, I can I tell you, I have incremental improvement. Yeah. I'm incrementally better than I was when I started right? I can pick out notes on the piano. I know what middle C is. I can, I can look at a sheet of music and, and read music, but it's on top of that. There's no real talent there. There's nothing really there. So you've got an incremental gain. You just don't have the same return on investment. If I was going to commit my life to being a musician, you know, then it's, it's, it's like the story of Rudy we talked about a moment ago, right? It's just, I'm, you're just never going to get the return from me. I might have a moment of victory, you know, if someone takes pity on me, but I, I'm never going to, I'm never going to achieve greatness. It's never going to be the same. And it doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. You can't do it as a hobby, but if you're really serious about making a contribution or making a difference, you really want to go with those areas where you've got big talent. So I wouldn't say weaknesses don't develop, you know, like we've all been able to add knowledge and skill to areas where we don't have great talent and get incrementally better. And in fact, part of life is there's certain areas where we have to work in areas we don't have talent and we need to know something. We need to have some skills in those areas. We have to get incrementally better. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit later about seven strategies we've come up with around this um, to be able to deal with this. But uh, honest, to, honest to God, the, the place we, the, the inverse of that is, is that strengths, and when you invest in an area of strengths, that strengths develop infinitely. 
Um, one of my coolest examples, I don't know about you all, I, I you know, like I, I am like a talent junkie. I love talent, right? So like I love watching that show, The Voice on TV, because it's just all these people with insane talent that just don't know what to do with themselves. You know, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Um, I used to watch that show, So You Think You Can Dance. I used to love that show just because there were all these incredibly talented dancers. And the, the, like, the thing I always used to laugh about is many of them are very, very young. So it's like they've got all this horsepower and they don't know what to do with it. You know, <laughs> It's just fun to watch because they're like they, you know, like they could just do all these magical things one of the things i've been just uh, completely obsessed with the olympics i love the olympics because again it's just great talent and i don't know if you've been following this michaela schifrin the american skier and one of the her mom's her coach you know she's just like this insanely talented young athlete and one of the things she said, she said this thing the other day, and I was trying to find the exact one. I think it was on the Today Show. Might have been in the in the media someplace else. But she said this thing that just would, like could come across as insanely arrogant, but was just phenomenal, right? She said there was a point where she she got to where she realized she was a better skier than almost anybody in the world, right? And she said, you know, there's a point where, you know, like I, like she had won races. She was a better, she, she had tons of talent, right? And she was a better skier than just about anybody in the world. And she, the thing that she said that was so cool was I, I realized I was just getting started, right? Like she was just starting to go. And that's what it is to work in an area of strength right? It's like, it's not, it's not about just being better than everybody else. It's not about just starting to capitalize on your talent. It's like, man, well, I'm just getting started, right? How far can I go? You know, she just won the gold, I think last night or the night before she just won the gold. She was, you know, and you read the articles about her. She is just getting started. And it's one of the things that's so cool about seeing people work in the area of their talent, in the area of their strength. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, when you're working, when you're trying to develop somebody in an area of weakness, it has, it is the most painful. It's like pulling teeth, right? It has no, it, there's, it's painful. It feels pedantic. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's just painful to watch, right? When people are working in an area of talent, it has this kind of fluidity, this kind of intuitive kind of strength there. You, you know, you watch, you, you coach people that are talented in a particular area and it's just amazing. One of the things I do um, periodically is coach our course leaders, right? And um, it's one of the, my favorite things to do. I obviously love leading. I love leading courses. I love being with people. I love developing people. And working with our course leaders is just incredible. And one of the things I can tell about our really, really, really talented course leaders is, is one of the things you can, and, and people always marvel at this. When I first started doing this at Gallup, people were like, are you sure that's okay? You know, I will do mocks where people will lead a section of a course and I'll say, yeah, that was great. Now do this, 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 and this, right? And it was like, to some of the people that don't have that natural talent, they're like, well, shouldn't you let them go prepare? And then it's like, no, they'll just go do that, right? And you and you what's you can really tell the super talented ones from the ones that are not as talented cuz the ones that are super talented, you just go, you give them that coaching and they'll turn around and just nail it, right? It's like coaching a skier, right? Where you can say, "Hey, now try it this way. Go to the top of the hill, do that run." They'll be able to incorporate it into the work that they do. Strengths have this ability there's this kind of on-the-spot, fluid, intuitive way that strengths develop. And the more coaching you get, the, the more people just eat it up, right? Um, one of the greatest course leaders I've ever coached is Jeremy Petrosini. Jeremy Petrosini is like just, I mean, that guy has got insane talent, right? And it is just a joy to coach him because you're coaching at such a high level. And he has such an ability to take the coaching and go far with it. It's just unbelievable. And, you know, and who knows the heights he's going to reach before the end of his career because of his just insane talent in that area. So, again, weaknesses don't really develop, right? They develop sort of incrementally. Strengths develop, right? So strengths develop and they develop infinitely. And there's so much return on investment from having them from, from, from strengths in that way. Jim, were you going to say something there? No, no. Keep going. Okay. Yeah, great. Okay. Um, uh, number five. Um, um, weaknesses get uncovered over time, right? So this is the thing I alluded to at the beginning, right? It's this interesting thing about weaknesses. I think we think, hey, I look at my strengths report. I'm going to know all my strengths. I'm going to know all my weaknesses. Boom, I'm done, right? 
And it's not that way. I, you want, we want to help people to understand that Clifton Strengths, our Clifton Strengths report is like a treasure map. You know, it tells you where to start digging. You know, that's really the thing with it, okay, is it tells you where to start digging. It tells you what you should, where you should start to go, right? And so, um, um, and where you start to invest, where you start to work, that it tells you where to go. And so that's that's really the intent of that of that Clifton Strengths report, right? You're going to discover it over time. Experience application over time is really going to give you a sense of your strengths and a sense of your weaknesses. That the the Clifton Strengths report really is your starting report point, right? It's really the place you go to be able to orient yourself and to focus your, your application, to focus your investment, right? Um, and you want to value that on the court experience. One of the things it's, you know, um, uh, so Matt Mosser, who's our chief talent officer at Gallup, is just one of the most brilliant coaches I've ever been around. I mean, he he's a brilliant manager, but he's also a brilliant coach. And, and he also knows more about, he just knows an insane amount about talent. And one of the things that you, he always will, will talk about when he's talking about identifying somebody's talent and how it's a fit for a job and like that is you always want to go, you always want to value somebody's real life experience over the, what just the report says. The report is a good starting point. The, and your Clifton Strengths report is, is a great starting point. And it tells you, gosh, these are the places I should invest. But you don't want to, it doesn't end there, right? That's just the beginning. And you really want to value what do you see on the court as you start to do that? Because that helps you to be able to refine it. It's also part of that process of development. So as you start to use your talents and develop them into strengths, you see things about the manifestation of them that lead to further refinement and becomes an iterative process. So you want to be able to do, you want to be able to, to, to use that as an iterative process, right? And I know some, some people get religious about that report, right? Um, but you want to use it as a starting point to be able to really understand that, right? Um, okay, Andrea just asked a question. What, uh, Andrea asked a question. Are you saying, Dean, are you saying that when using one's strengths, you don't have to prepare? I ask this because of someone's responsibility. I always have to prepare. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying is, yeah, it's a good, good question. Really good question. So, no, what I'm saying is that when you start, that with the Clifton Strengths Report, it's the place that you start to be able to say, here's the areas that I want to invest. It gives you a clue when you look at yourself tabula rasa, right? There you are, a blank slate. And you look at yourself and say, hey, where am I going to invest? Where am I going to develop myself? Is that it helps you to be able to understand what are those areas where I have a natural inclination, where I have a natural talent, a repository of talent? Where are those places that I would start to do it? And that's, Andrea, by the way, where you would then start to invest, right? To be able to say, hey, how do I add knowledge and skills and experiences to these particular areas, right? And then you, the process of development is paying attention then to how those talents manifest themselves as you develop them to know how do I refine those over time, right? I know some people that get really religious about their Clifton Strengths report where they say, I can't do that because my Clifton Strengths report says I can't, right? Or this is a number 15 for me there, you know, like you want to be able to play around with it and invest in those top areas of talent, see what happens with some of those themes that are underneath it and, and to be able to say, okay, how do I invest in that over time? You know, does that make sense? Jim, am I communicating clearly? Yeah, no, I think so. It's just where it's where you start from. It's what you're choosing yes. to work on. It's it's how are you investing your time in that and knowing you've got those talents that lead in these areas saying, if I have to choose between reading or writing and I my talent is in writing, I should be choosing writing more often than I'm choosing reading, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and to your point, it's like, Andrea, thanks. Okay. I'm glad I'm communicating clearly here. It leads really to that sixth and final assertion I've got today, which is that weaknesses are relative, right? So when you start out, you know, I have a friend who says sometimes from some places you are any direction, in any direction East will take you where you want to go. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? If you're in LA, any direction east will tell you where you want to go, take you where you want to go, right? In the beginning, it's sort of, it's sort of, you start out, you head east, you figure it out. Over time, you refine it. Weaknesses are relative, relative in the same way, right? 
um, as you start to develop your talents and strengths, what you start to see is you start to get to be able to hone in on what aspects of your strengths are the most strong, right? And yesterday's strengths becomes to, becomes today's weaknesses. One of the things that's really interesting is 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 in strengths development, people get narrower, right? They focus, right? That's the direction to, 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 to really, as you refine your talents, it's not that oftentimes that people get broader, they actually get narrower. They get more focused. They really hone in on what are the aspects of their strengths that are really the strongest, right? What are the aspects of their strengths that have the most traction? And in fact, one of the things, and I will tell you, this has been hard for me personally, part of where you see the best is they get a little ruthless around refining their strengths. You have to be a little ruthless. You have to be a little really honest with yourself, really truthful about your areas of weakness to say, hey, I need to let this go. I may be better than everybody else but uh, in this area, but I'm not as good as I could be in other areas, right? And so I got to let this go. Or I might be, you know, like I might enjoy doing this, but I get deep, much deeper satisfaction and much better performance in another area. And it's it's that process of really, really focusing in on the strongest of your strengths, continuing to invest in those and becoming more and more focused, right? And it's really powerful. Andrew, I think you're validating what I'm saying. Um, you're working with a client who's getting more focused as he's discovered his strengths. It's helping him grow his business. Yes. And that's the thing you really, the exciting thing is as you work with somebody in strengths-based development and really help them to be able to do that. Now it's hard. I will tell you, sometimes you got to, you let go of things that, you know, I, like I will tell you my own, for me, there's areas of that I was, I felt like I was strong enough, but I had to let go of those areas to really focus on my strengths, right? We all have to confront in life. We got limited time and limited resources, right? And Dean, and Dean Tracy, I think was talking a little bit. She had a question. She'd come late. We talked about the, the okay. Rudy story. When we think about grit, that's been a real popular term to use. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of an yeah. overcoming term, I think, in right. some regards. It's like, yes, with enough effort and enough grit, you could probably plow through it. Yeah. You have the choice of where to spend the time. Is the grit worth it? Sometimes, yes, I think, yeah. but because of the situation. But if you have a choice, when you lean towards that, which you know, as you get focused, you know, we see entrepreneurs all the time when they get highly focused in their business, they do better, right? The power is in or the money's in the niche. Yeah, and what they're doing. And I think the same thing with our themes, with our strengths. The nichier we get, the more focused we get, the more powerful that becomes and the more success we can have. And so I think, you know, going niche first and then out is way better than trying to be the best for everything. Yeah. And, and to your point, Jim, I mean, I guess I see the, the Angela Duckworth stuff I think is really great. I think when you think about that determination, that grit, right? I think it's all about where am I going to apply that? right? If I'm going to like having determination to invest and drive yourself in an area of talent yields much better results than in an area of weakness, right? And it does, it does require work, right? So developing talents into strengths, I think this is sometimes hard for people is it requires work. It's not magical. And by the way, I will tell you sometimes people and, and people in our own strengths community are, it's, they don't know the difference between a talent and a strength. They think just because you got a repository of talent, that's the same as, as having a strength. And it's not, right? Remember, our definition of a strength is consistent, near-perfect performance in a particular area, right? So it, just because you've got talent, you know, and you can make one out of three baskets doesn't mean that you're going to make three out of three. It takes practice. It takes skill right? It takes determination to refine talents. Uh, like to use my example before, you don't think Michaela Schiffer practices all the time, that her whole life is about being a world-class skier, right? I mean, I'm sure, I, I, you know, I don't know what her training regimen is, but I'm sure it takes determination, discipline, commitment, all of that in order to be able to yield the kind of world-class outcomes that she has, right? And, and I think that's when, when, when we think about grit, yes, grit is required, but grit pointed at areas where there's talent, right? Does it make sense? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I like it. We got about 15 minutes, so we'll need to push or maybe have a part three. <laughs>
<laughs> let me talk about let me talk about yeah this is uh, oh my lord yeah okay good stuff great I, conversation yeah i'm yeah no it is um yeah the more the more we unpack the more it seems like there is to unpack which i love right that's a good that's a good area by the way I, this is a self-aggrandizing plug um jackie merritt and i are going to do a session at the summit on weaknesses and this is all kind of my preamble to to what we're going to cover in that session right so i'm I, like as we start to work our way through it this is one of the ways i work through stuff right is to is to start to to work it out this way right so um so much of the work of strengths coaches can be helping people become aware of their weaknesses and use their strengths to overcome them right so a lot of the work that you do as a strengths coach is that the um I think there's three things. So this, I, I think in the practice of coaching, there's fundamentally three things as you're working with people with their, in their weaknesses. I think there's basically three things that you want to address. And I mentioned these last time, and I want to go back and kind of unpack these a little bit again, right? And in the time that we've got, right? So when you're a strengths coach and you're working with somebody that you're coaching around their weaknesses, you, I think there's really three things. One is awareness. The second is responsibility. And the third are strengths-based strategies. Let me talk about what I mean by that. The first piece is helping people become aware of their weaknesses. And that is a fundamental that if people are not aware of their weaknesses, there's nothing to, there's no conversation, right? And as we develop, it's not like a one-time one, one time thing where it's like, okay, now I know weaknesses, I can move on, right? The more you develop your strengths, the more you uncover weaknesses. And so it's an ongoing thing. And awareness is a key thing. It's part of just building your self-awareness. But the, the first piece really as a strengths coach and working with people is helping them be fully aware of what their weaknesses are, right? The second piece is taking responsibility for them. So you can be aware of what your weaknesses are, but not own them. You could be aware of what your weaknesses are, but be unwilling to take responsibility for them. And so the second thing to really addressing them is you got to, at some level, you got to help people take responsibility for their weaknesses. The third thing then is to use strength-based strategies to be able to manage them and produce results, right? And so you can be aware of them, you can take responsibility, but you, but until you've got some strategy to address them in a meaningful way, then, then you, you, there's still going to be a barrier for you. So let me just unpack each one of these just briefly so we can kind of get to it, okay? So under the awareness thing, weaknesses can often be in areas that are blind spots for people. We talked earlier about the Jahari window. And so it's really helping people to understand, hey, this may be a blind spot for you. Um, sometimes people will have more than a passing awareness of their weaknesses. Maybe like, oh yeah, I really know I've got weakness in that area. But they don't really see the impact of that weakness. So part of helping people with awareness is not just, hey, you got a weakness in that area, right? Or, hey, do you see that that's a weakness for you, right? But that helping people to really understand the impact of that weakness. And the impact is often the impact on other people, the impact on themselves, right? So in the area of awareness building, I find that feedback is the most valuable, the most important thing. And, and, and by feedback, it's not necessarily me as a coach giving people feedback, but people being able to solicit feedback from people in their environment and then helping them make sense of the feedback as a coach. So going out, making sure they're getting feedback, making sure they're getting authentic feedback. I was talking to somebody the other day. It was kind of a funny conversation where I'd asked somebody to go get some feedback and they were like, no, I came, I, I asked everybody, everybody's, it's great. <laughs> it's like, I got that. But here's the thing is they may, may not have given you the real deal, right? <laughs> you know, you got, you really got to set it up so that people have the freedom. And I've talked about this. I think it was, gosh, was it last year, or the year before last, I think I talked about um, doing kind of strengths-based interviews with people to really solicit people's feedback and really, really ha having people like take the gloves off, give you some good, solid, constructive, hard feedback, right? is really useful. And then as a coach, you know, um, being helping people to make sense of it and really understanding that when I see my weaknesses in the, in not in, in the impact they have on other people and the detriment they are to other people, the, the detriment they are to me, right? And when I can see on those levels, uh, level, both of those levels, that helps me really um, um, de develop greater awareness. I always say that awareness issues that you, you commonly see around strengths are people who don't see their weaknesses, 
People who claim strengths they don't have, that's a biggie. A lot of times people will be like, oh, no, I'm super strategic. No, you're really not. You know what I mean? And so, you know, or I can read people. No, you really can't, right? So um, claiming strengths that they don't have, being unaware of their own strengths oftentimes and the implications of their own strengths. You talk too much, right? You're, you know, you're, you're righteous about things, right? Being really not seeing how their strengths play out or their talents play out or being unaware of their non-talents, the areas where they just don't have any intensive talent and that, and they're not aware of it. Right? So those are things that you commonly see come up in conversations, uh, relative to weaknesses, right? So there's that. Then there's the piece about being, uh, being responsible. People who legitimately know their strengths tend to be more forthcoming with their weaknesses. So what you know, what I notice when we work with people is, is if people are more confident in their strengths, they're more willing to claim their weaknesses, you know? And, and you do see this where people, there is that kind of fatal flaw some people have where they are really, really strong in an area and they think that applies to everything. I always call that the Icarus principle, you know? I, I can fly, I can fly, and then you fly too close to the sun right? You know? Um, and so, but this thing with responsibility really is at some point, people have to be willing to take responsibility. You can't make someone be responsible. They, people have to take responsibility for themselves. It's that process of taking ownership around one's weaknesses. And I think for a lot of people, it's a difference between finding fault or being to blame and, and, and really being able to say, I have a say in the way this goes. Right. And, like when you take responsibility, you then can empower yourself to have a say in the way things go. And so it's really helping people to come to that place where they can take responsibility. They can take ownership for themselves of their own weaknesses. The last piece around this is, is this notion of strengths-based strategies. And boy, I think we mentioned these seven strategies the last time we were on the session and there were like a million people who were like, Hey, where are those? <laughs> We cover them in the accelerator course. We've got it. They're, they're out a million. We've written articles about them. I'm going to talk about it today, but really it's so if somebody's aware of their weaknesses, they've taken responsibility for the weaknesses. It only makes sense that the best way you would address them is to use your areas of talent. Right. It's like it's, it's funny. It's like, of course, you would error. You would use your areas of greatest talent. You would apply those to the areas of your weaknesses, right? So that's why you always want to help people come up with strengths-based strategies to be able to address their weaknesses because, of course, the way you would do that is use your talent to apply to those areas, right? That's why we look to our strengths as a way of addressing weaknesses. We've come up with seven strategies that are sort of time-honored strategies for addressing areas of weakness, right? I'm going to run through these just briefly in the time we've got left. And... Um, and we've written about them a ton. They're in the accelerated course uh, like that. Maybe that this, this is the right time to, to write another article about it or something, right? But, and these are, by the way, not the only strategies for addressing weaknesses. They're just seven that we know like in a time-honored way work, right? One is creating an open dialogue and transparency around your weaknesses, right? Just being forthcoming about them, right? Creating an open dialogue and transparency. That's the first one. Second is using your strengths. So really applying your strengths in a meaningful way. Sometimes we call this overwhelming it with a strength, but really like really bringing your strengths to bear in a particular area um, and, and looking at how can I intentionally apply my strengths in this area of weakness. The third is finding support systems and support systems often are structures outside of you. Um, I'm not a very disciplined person. I use my calendar as my discipline system. Right. And so my calendar really is a great discipline system for me. Not discipline is not high for me. Right. So having that external structure and support system to be able to compensate for an area of weakness. Um, the fourth is building complementary partnerships. A big one for me It was a funny thing for me when I looked around the landscape and realized that most of my best partners uh, have harmony in their top five or their top 10 strengths. I have harmony number 34. Right. And so building, you know, having those complementary partners who lead with a talent that you don't have or can lead with talents that complement yours. Um, number five is get the right education. So uh, throw a little knowledge uh, at it, I think really makes a difference. Uh, the right education, the right skills development really makes sense. Number six is set reasonable standards and just do it. Right. You're not going to be world class. 
but you could be incrementally better. And sometimes that's all that's required. So set reasonable standards and just do it. And then finally, adjust or change roles, right? It may be that if this is integral to what you do, that you're in the wrong job. You know, we, we, that's what that one's last because sometimes people want to put it first. You know what I mean? Oh, this means I shouldn't shouldn't do this. You know, not necessarily. Right. It just means that you need to adjust your role or change your role to work around that thing. Right. So those are seven kind of strengths based strategies that we've given people. And we've written more of those in lots of different places. So if you're interested in those, there's lots of content out there around that um, where we've talked about what that is. OK. So that's that's it for I think for weaknesses part two, Jim. That's what I got this time. Okay, a couple, couple questions. Andrea had asked you talked about uh, soliciting that strengths based feedback. I was trying yeah. to find the session that we did around that. Do you you have any, um, cl any clues to that one? I don't know if we did it on call to coach. I did it at the summit year before last, right? Where where I talked about like, and I gave people a list of questions that I typically give people to ask. I, I always think it's really going out. And I've done this with people that I've managed. I've done this with people I've coached. Going out and you know, going to the people in their life and setting up a conversation where you can say, hey, look, I really want your feedback. Or I want your hard feedback. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And there's a, there's a list. They're not magic questions, but they're questions that I've used, used routinely to have people go interview the people in their life. And the magic really is in the setup, right? It's not the questions as much as is that you go to people you trust and say, hey, Jim, look, you know, I really want to get better. I really am working on myself. I need your best, most direct hard feedback, right? What do people say about me when I'm not there? You know what I mean? What do you, when you, where do you, when you see me in action, where am I great? Where, what are the barriers that you see with me? Right. And, and soliciting that great hard feedback. Dean, this could be a question all in its a program all in itself. But when we think about there, there's, there's a, this idea of overuse, when we overuse a strength, does it become a weakness? How do we talk about that? What's the, what's Judy asked that question a little bit earlier. Can you, can you give us a little, a one minute version of, yeah. Overusing strengths. Um, I, this, uh, I'm going to give you my, my knee jerk opinion about this. Okay. So here we go. Um, I think it's, I don't think you can really overuse a strength. I think you, if you're being responsible for it, you, I don't think you can overuse a strength, right? It's not like, it's like, Hey, you know, like, I'm sorry, you're just too great. You know? <laughs> You're just too you awesome, love too right? much. Yeah, it's much just love. no. I like and and every day there's people around us all that we would say, "Gosh, you know, they are phenomenal. They are just gifted, right?" It's when you're not responsible for the basement of that strength or the you know the ways that it hinders you when you're not responsible for that. That's when it becomes a problem. So I don't think it's about overusing it, right? It's like oh, I better hold back, right? Not too much greatness today. You know what I mean? Gotta, you know. I want to be too successful. Yeah, put the cape away, pal. You know what I mean? Like, you know, no. You should go out. You should participate fully in life. You should go be awesome, right? And should be responsible for applying your talents in ways that are really meaningful that make a difference for the people around you, right? And and be re really responsible for those things that, that uh, get in the way of doing that, right? So, it, well, that's self-awareness, right? And that responsibility, yeah. like you're saying, to say it's not successful if you're dragging people through the streets with you right? as you're being successful, right? That I guess it would change that definition of, are you bringing people along? Are, are you making the organization around you successful? Is everyone still intact at the end of the day, you know, yeah. uh, type deal? That's that self-awareness, I think, right? Yeah, completely, completely. And open to feedback, open to coaching. Right. Um, you know, um, Matt Mosser, again, um, uh, our chief talent officer says this thing, we all manage each other. And I, and when I first heard that, I was like, really? And I, then I was like, and the more I thought about it, I was like, no, really, we all manage each other. Right. And I think that's, that's true in life. We all manage each other. And if we're open, if we're listening, like we can get there, there's tons of great feedback to be had. No, sounds good. We were right at we're right at our hour. Uh, some great communication from the chat room. Appreciate you you guys jumping in here. And I think w does it wrap it? Are we going to come back with part three, or are we done? I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave people in suspense. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, we'll remind everyone to take full advantage of all the resources we have available at the Gallup Strength Center. Just GallupStrengthCenter.com. 
Uh, don't forget, if you uh, want to get more information, actually, Dean has done, I think, Dean, we might be up to 15 or 20 of these for you. Really? Now, in your playlist, we've been doing this for a while, was going back mm -hmm. and uh, all the way back in early 2016, uh, wow. we were doing these. And so they're available for you on our coaches blog. Just head out to coaching.gallup.com. Take good use of that search bar. There's a search bar there. There's also a topic section that will allow you to search all these things by topic headers that we've put in there. So if you're kind of wondering, uh, you'd like to get some information, don't forget, it's all searchable. Uh, and many of them have really good notes associated with them. So you're going to want to go out and head out. Again, that's at coaching.gallup.com. If you're interested in becoming a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, you can see a list of a complete list of all the courses that lead to that certification. And we have some that don't. We have some training as well that's available for you out there. It's on our courses page. Go to courses.gallup.com. If you have any questions, you can fill out the contact form right there on the live page. Don't forget to visit our Facebook group. It's just called Gallup Webcasts. So if you go to Facebook and search Gallup Webcasts. We have a community of about 10,000, almost 11 now. Uh, and we have some great conversations out there. We'd love to have you join us. You'll need to ask for permission and then I'll let you in. And we'd love to have you in that group as well. With that, we'll thank you for coming out today. Uh, everybody have a great weekend. And with that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.